All right. Welcome back again. Uh, for those that might have been listening that I did not see, uh, we are redoing this uh, episode real quick because I made the classic mistake and said it for only 15 minutes. Uh, and so the show was trying to end on me. So because we had just started and it didn't look like we had anyone in the chat, just deleted it, start it right back up. So we'll start from the beginning, which, well, we had only started talking about the first card. Uh, again, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, we have Brett and Vlad with us. Um, as we were mentioning before, you know, Brett hasn't been able to be on in a while, and that's mostly due to, uh, like, Father's Day and Fourth of July and just other things. So I think it's been been a couple of shows, but we I think this is, the, like, the first actual Sunday show we've had in, like, a month. So that's... Uh, just, I guess, bad timing more so than anything. Uh, and again, I want to thank Vlad for coming on. He has a new headset. Uh, sounds way better uh, than before. So again, thank you guys. And uh, I'm going to just jump right into the Champion of the Faith and reiterate uh, what we had talked about. I had just mentioned how I thought the Champion of Faith was an amazing attachment. I love his ability. I love the idea. One point... In uh, anything, even Warrior Sons is awesome and I think still fair. I mean, you're paying eight points for that combo. Uh, my only problem with him is just putting him in Poor Fellows, and that's just because that makes him a five-point unit that feeds into their faith. Uh, that makes it, if you wanted to run dual uh, units of this, you're only spending ten points for two activations. That's very strong, even at the five-point level and you're passing out four tokens around. Uh, it almost makes it a guarantee that you're going to get uh, in Winds of Winter or any of the secret mission uh, uh, missions where they have the secret mission cards that, uh, they're, that they have that one where at the end of the round you can expend two tokens from each from units to get two, one victory point every time you do it, up to two times. So that's an easy two victory points in those missions. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's just too effective. Uh, and then we can uh, quickly jump back over to you, Brett, um, about your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, again, I think he's really good. Um, you do see him in Poor Fellows. I'm playing in the Three Sales League again, um, and I'm in Division One. I've also spent some time talking to uh, some of the other prominent uh, Lannister players besides Vlad here. So it um, seems to be a really common build, putting at least one poor fellow with Champion of Faith. They seem to be using that to set up their other units. It's obviously you don't want to use it to make the poor fellows stronger when they attack because that's not really what poor fellows do. Uh, it's more or less setting up the red cloak, setting up the flayed men, things like this. Um, I see a lot of value in him, but for me, I'm just really high on Warrior Sons right now. So I really, really, really like him in Warrior Sun, um, but I can definitely see why he's going in Poor Fellows. What do you think, uh, Vlad, uh, your thoughts on the champion? Yes, uh, I really like the way that the new Fate uh, units work together in the 2021 version of the game. Uh, for me, the previous version, uh, I wasn't so close of the 
faith list and uh, high power wasn't of my one of my first pick because it will always make me feel uh, that I do not play uh, as I would like because I haven't got uh, a lot of control on my opponent's game where I couldn't do as much to, to destroy his uh, gameplay. Uh, and now the central piece of uh, a fade list in, the, in this, in this uh, version of the game, I think is the champion of the fade. Uh, Imagining running uh, two or three of these guys on your units, on your uh, uh, already cheap units that have very good morale, uh, and all your uh, opponent's uh, units will be panicked and vulnerable for the majority of the game. So uh, it really makes me feel like uh, I'm playing uh, a Lannister uh, uh, mechanic in the in this fate uh, mentality, if I can call it like that. Uh, the only problem that I see with him is uh, uh, that uh, your opponent uh, will complain because uh, it will be very easy to pull out those war cries whenever you you want it. Uh, but in the same in the same designing space, we can see the same uh, ability on other units, on other builds, uh, some commander's cards uh, in other factions. Uh, as I was mentioned, I was mentioning earlier, uh, we have the shivers that that have have, have this ability. And uh, if we throw in a Star Wars uh, attachment, it will basically be the same thing, uh, only that it will cost uh, uh, more expensive than, uh, than the poor, poor fellows with uh, one champion of the face. Uh, I really like this uh, new synergy and uh, uh, is the, the list that I was, I am testing the most in the uh, the, this version of the game, yeah. Yeah, and um, and I definitely agree. Like other, uh, I would say Starks in particular can kind of do it to the same degree, but a little more expensive. Uh, I was mentioning before that if you take uh, a commander with it, uh, you can get a six-point um, uh, she-bear, and then you run like a two-point attachment with stalwart, because I don't think there are any for one point. Um, and now you have an eight-point she-bear to also get it, you know, the same number if, let's say, we're talking two units. But then you're spending um, four more points than the Lannisters would. Granted, you have tougher units, but um, my main concern isn't necessarily about, like, it's just about having these cheap, activations that uh, you know you can go camp on objectives and you know 10 point investment for two activations and they're constantly throwing out more tokens and in, in, in my experience and I've played a lot with and against it more tokens you even really need and some could argue you'd only need one poor fellow with this but uh, two just really drives it home um, so I think some that point, I think it wouldn't be as big of a deal if poor fellows were like five points or just more expensive for the fact that you you wouldn't be able to get the combo or and the you know the generation of all these tokens for such a cheap investment uh but with that said, combined with what we you know the other show that I had to delete 
uh, and this one. We've kind of talked all we need to, I think, about the champion here. So we'll move on to the Sentinel Enforcer. So we, for the most part, already knew about the Sentinel with the um, attachment, but I believe Taunt did change. So for one point, the Sentinel Enforcer gives you Taunt, and it's an enemy in short range when an enemy in short range activates, if that enemy can charge this unit, they perform a morale test at minus one to the roll for each remaining rank in this unit. Um, on a failure, it performs one charge action on this unit. This is their action for the turn. So I have to say, I love the idea. I love kind of the cool combo of putting them in halberdiers and forcing you to charge into uh, a unit, you know, into the set for charge. Um, I have to say, though, I've played a lot of Lannister for 2021. I love, I mean, Lannisters are probably like my third favorite right behind Free Folk and Greyjoys, and I've never run this guy. Um, and that's not to say I haven't played Taunt. I've played Taunt quite a bit, um, especially with Free Folk and uh, the Thens. And I don't know, having to pay for Taunt is not, you know, not only is it that I'm having to pay for it for an ability that might never go off, uh, or also it's taking up what I could have put in that unit. So I just feel like it's a little too gimmicky. Um, I don't know, it'd be kind of cool if if he had something else that was all, like an effect, like some small little minute effect I don't even know what to, like, kind of throw in there, but just some small, minute effect that was always happening. That way, if Taunt isn't going to go off for you ever, uh, then, you know, you, you're you also investing in a little tiny buff that's going to matter uh, for, you know, for the rest of the game. Uh, Brett, how about you? Have you had any success with uh, the Enforcer, if you've used him? I haven't really tried him. Uh, I'm sitting here thinking about it. I when he very first came out, he was pretty cool in Four Fellows. Um, sorry, my daughter's talking a little bit. She's outside with me. Uh, he was pretty cool in Four <laughs> Fellows. You know, when Four Fellows were a tank, it's pretty difficult to find that point, especially if you're playing competitively. But now, just sitting here thinking about it, I think he has a place in one unit in particular, and that is Lannister Guard. Um, Lannister Guard are amazing. So I know a lot of people complain about Red Cloak, but in the Red Cloak discussion, I was saying, like, yeah, Red Cloaks are strong, but, like, one Lannister Guard unit can actually do more damage with one Panic Test than the Red Cloaks can do with two. Now, obviously, as it's written, the charge is two actions. I'm still hopeful that that's going to be an FAQ or errata. That's helping make the Red Cloaks more powerful. But my point being, the Lannister Guard, when they're at full health, Supremacy Bomb is so powerful. The problem is getting people to attack them. Uh, the, the thing is, most people are going to look at the guardsmen and they're going to just refuse to attack them because why would you, you know, unless you've got an attack that's able to take them out. Now, if you can put the guardsmen right in the middle of their lines and taunt somebody into them, particularly if it's a unit that's hitting on fours, 
or something that's not super great and, and they're really wanting that unit to do something, you can really, really do some damage with Lannister Supremacy, especially if you've got the Lannister Guard positioned to where the stakes are covering just a little bit more than 50% and you throw a hear me roar at it. Now, I know you're going to say, well, why would you waste hear me roar on the taunt? Because if, if they fail, they're going to take a wound from failing that morale test. And then if you taunt them over stakes, that's D3 plus one, then they probably are not taking out a rank from the guardsman, then they have to take another one at minus three with D3 plus three. And if you're running Cersei, you might have two Hear Me Roars in hand. I know it's probably a little bit gimmicky, but I think somewhere somebody's going to do that and their opponent's like just going to almost one-shot themselves <laughs> by being forced to charge these guardsmen. <laughs> they're going to get a wound. They're going to get a wound from failing the taunt, D3 plus one for going over stakes, and then D3 plus three, maybe D3 plus four. Uh, for the Lannister supremacy test, so it could be pretty nasty. But I think that's one yeah. way of getting getting your points out of guardsmen is by forcing things to attack you. Yeah, that's definitely a, an interesting uh, idea. And you know, now that you mention it, I might try to throw that in there. Um, and for those kind of listening, that because you know Brett was kind of throwing a lot of info at you real quick. Uh, the one wound from failing that morale test is because hear me roar. Uh, adds a wound. Even though it's not a panic test, Hear Me Roar is what's doing that wound. Um, just in case there's any newer people out there that haven't really had a chance to dive into the 2021 cards yet. But, uh, but yes, Hear Me Roar now, whether or not it's a panic or a morale test, Hear Me Roar will be adding one wound uh, on a failure. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, that definitely has some potential there because um, I know a lot of people they're just like you know, and I'm just not even going to bother with that Lannister supremacy and try to avoid it. Especially like you were saying with stakes, throw that out there, and you know you could really you know decimate a unit on their own activation. Um, Vlad, what do you think? Yeah, the thing that I like with uh, this attachment is uh, that uh, it gives you field control in a Lannister way. <laughs> so it, uh, I find it very dramatic. The other thing that I do not like that, uh, is that it's conditioned by a moral test. So uh, even if the Tomp ability uh, went up or in your favor as a, as a player, because now you can uh, make your opponent roll a minus one per, per rank. So in a full ranks, you will make your opponent roll a minus three so it should be in the, most of the cases a failure. Uh, they they still have to 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 fail this uh, this more test, you know. Uh, in the other thing, uh, I, I still see a lot of potential in this attachment to pull up. Um, uh, you know now now the the object, objectives are are fixed. You cannot uh, place them randomly everywhere. So you will know how you can uh, deploy your units if you want to pull out uh, enemy units from their objectives. Uh, you can approach yourself very close to range units that do not have a really good morale. So you can uh, make them uh, have have a charge on your on your uh, on your unit like that. Uh, they won't use the range attack. Um, another thing that is interesting. Um, in one of the discussions that the game developers had before releasing the 2021 uh, 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 update, uh, Michael 
Michael Chanel said that uh, uh, when uh, the fuck use will came uh, came out for for the new rules, uh, the town's ability should work before uh, the cavalry uh, innate ability, uh, which allows them to do a free maneuver. So imagining that uh, this will be written in a way that uh, you can use it. Uh, also against the cavalry unit before they do their free maneuver, uh, it will really mess up your opponent's plan. So yeah, uh, I see a lot of potential in this this attachment, and uh, I can uh, I can I can hardly wait to to buy a attachment box because I do not have uh, in France uh, uh, they they came out uh, in a lower uh, number, so I really didn't have the opportunity to buy one attachment box, but I can hardly wait. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, you know, I had mentioned it with uh, the Free Folk show that, you know, running up to a ranged unit and forcing them to charge you is always a great, uh, I, in my opinion, a great tactic for this ability. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, this, this ability in particular, it's one of those that you really have to play around with and you have to be creative Um it, it's not going to give you any benefits just for kind of playing it. Um, your your opponent can easily play around it if you're not clever enough with it, which just lends to the fact that you, you just if you want to be able to use this ability very effectively, you just have to play it a lot and really discover uh, all the ways to really uh, take advantage of it. Next up, we have. Uh, looks like Sandor, but let me just make sure there's no more generic. Uh, nope. All right. So next up is Sandor Clegane, the Hound. He has, uh, for one point, affiliation House Clegane. This unit is House Cle- a House Clegane unit. Fueled by slaughter, after this unit completes a melee attack, if the defenders suffered any wounds, this unit restores one wound plus one additional wound for each of the defender's destroyed ranks. And then he also has Furious Charge. Enemies successfully charged by this unit become vulnerable. So I have a list. It's the Mountain Commander in Pyromancers, another Pyromancers with Sandor Clegane. And, you know, people always ask me why I put him in Pyromancers. You know, that vulnerable is wasted. But, I mean, it's only wasted if you plan to do one-on-ones. Uh, I mean, if you have something else charge in to that unit, uh, now they can uh, take advantage of that vulnerable token. And worst case, it, even if it is wasted, I mean, the combo itself is just so strong that sometimes you don't even need it. But that field by slaughter really helps, you know, keep your pyromancers alive, uh, keeps them their health high for their visage to go off with more potent, potency. Um, you know, and I think, this, you know, even if you don't need the House Clegane affiliation, Sandor is amazing at one point, regardless of what you're doing. Uh, it's kind of the same thoughts I have about Newt for um, for Greyjoys, is that he is so good for one point that I run him in non-Victarian lists. So I, I think Sandor is going to see a lot of play if he isn't already. I know I use him a lot, and I love 
I love when I have the opportunity to use them because I have the Kickstarter exclusive sculpt, and that sculpt is just so awesome looking. Um, Brett, how about you? Have you had success with uh, Sandor? I think you're uh, muted, Brett. Um, nope. Uh, okay, uh, Brett's busy at the moment. Uh, Vlad, uh, we'll go to you while we give Brett a second. Uh, what What are your thoughts on Sandor here? Okay, well, how many abilities he has for only one point? Uh, I'm sad to see that the Kadimdam ability uh, is no longer in the game. Uh, I nearly used it in the previous version only for that. Uh, in some thematic list, but uh, for only one point, uh, having first by slaughter, furious charge, and the uh, affiliation, uh, I think it's very a very very good investment. Uh, your third by slaughter ability will keep you alive, and you said that you uh, played him in Pyromancers. I, I did the same, and uh, strangely enough, in a full play game list with uh, the mountain as, as a commander, uh, you have now uh, access to a ton of uh, uh, healing. While, while you are destroying your opponent, you also uh, keep your units alive uh, more than, than he does. So uh, uh, it is a new build for him. Uh, the best part uh, of this guy is that he cost only one point, and I hope he he will stay in the same place. Yeah. Yeah, and you know he is insanely effective being a house Clegane unit, and that's a you know I, I'm definitely not going to say that's the only reason I run him in Pyromancers in a Mountains list, but making those a second unit uh, a house Clegane for the Mountains cards is just insanely strong. I know uh, the most recent game I had at a tournament, it was the last round, and I faced a Targaryen list uh, with only one dragon, fortunately, and he uh, played some clever uh, maneuvering and got into my flank knowing that uh, he was going first next round, and he charged in uh, and obliterated a good amount of my guys and then, but because of their the Pyromancer's profile, I was able to play uh, Price of Failure and one-shot the dragon. Or, so they only have seven attacks, but what I did was, and I felt was well worth it, I used my Tyrion NCU, uh, Reigns of Castamere, to throw a couple hits on it. So then I could... Uh, play, uh, play Price of Failure, and I knew that was risky, but I mean, if I wasn't going to kill that dragon, he was going to kill me, so I'd rather trade my unit for his. It just turned out that I barely survived uh, and one-shotted his dragon between Reigns of Castamere, Price of Failure, and just obliterated it. And, uh, and then Fueled by Slaughter let me heal up. It gave me the uh, surge forth to let me kind of retreat a bit to gain my regain my bearings and yeah I mean there's so much potential in house like I would say in a Clegane li like in a mountain list 
he's an auto-include, easily auto-include. Uh, outside of a uh, uh, mountain list, he's still ama amazingly strong. And as you were mentioning, Vlad, about the cut, cut him down, it's definitely sad to see it go, but I understand why it had to. Because you imagine putting cut him down in a Lannister Guardsman list, and then you attack it and not de uh, take out a full rank, and now you're taking a panic test at uh, minus three plus five, uh, possibly plus more if, like, there's an intimidating presence somewhere. It, <laughs> it could get pretty nasty pretty quick. Um, so I understand why I think they had to take out, cut, cut them down from all neutrals and... Um, Neutrals and Lannisters, which is which is fine. Uh, I think intimidating presence is not only better, but it's just more healthier for the game because uh, you know whereas cut them down, you know you you could do more damage, but you don't have as much of a chance to make it fail. Uh, now it's just more consistent and not as punishing, even though there are scenarios that could be pretty ridiculous, like like the one I was just mentioning. Um, you could still do, like, plus four damage, and then plus, you know, there's ways to do more between Joffrey and Hear Me Roar. It can get a little absurd with the damage. I, I'm not so concerned about, like, the minus thing to fail. Uh, it's just the amount you can take from failing a... Uh, or, the amount of damage you can take from failing. Okay, uh, Brett. Uh, with that said, what uh, what are your thoughts about Sandor? Well, I'm um, I'm glad you brought up Brothers Grimm because if you didn't, I was going to. Um, <laughs> that's a list you and I have both kind of had. Like it's kind of been our love child since 1.6. Uh, not always the most effective, but you and I have both ran that double pyros. One with Gregor. One with Sandor. It's really feast or famine, uh, at least it was in 1.6. I think in the 2021 update, it's a little bit better, actually, because the pyros are a little less glass cannony, and with almost everything losing offensive potential, the pyromancers actually gained potential. So yep. it's kind of crazy if you think about it. Uh, they are, as I... I mean, in my opinion, with the Lannister cards, I don't know that there's a more offensive unit in the game, right? Because they can, if they've got an assault vet, they can literally one-shot anything, right? Um, because you They can, can even one-shot something military. if they get charged. Uh, if you take three from Visage, like if you get charged... Right and fail the visage, and then they you do whatever damage you do, then they attack you back. Uh, right, right. right, right. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. No, but just them charging, they can one-shot right now. Um, and I, mm -hmm. I know this doesn't have to do with Sandor, but Pyromancers can one-shot because they can do seven wounds with all of their hits, which isn't unreasonable for them to hit with everything. And then with a Joffrey panic test and a Hear Me Roar, they can do five wounds, and that's that's a dead unit. So uh, that's 12 yep. that they can do with no defense saves. So uh, anyway, back to Sandor. Uh, yeah, the the Sandor in the Brothers Grimm list, the Clegane list with double pyromancers, is absolutely nuts, um, the amount of damage that they can do with those pyromancers. Um, but, yeah, as you mentioned, he's so good, even – even outside of a Clegane list, he's so good. 
Um, I know Endline, he's another Lannister player that some people have heard of. Uh, he's a Canadian. He won the three sales league in 1.6, which is super impressive that he won that league full of like Starks and uh, other stuff like that. And he won with Lannisters, but he is a big fan of just Sandor in Mountain's Men and just a regular Lannister list because, as you mentioned, the Fueled by Slaughter is just so good. But I've even made a Tyrion list, just kind of theory-crafted a Tyrion list. That's, uh, I called it um, Tyrion's Delivery Service, and it's based on the premise <laughs> that Tyrion's using his shift and his cards to deliver that pyromancer bomb. And if you've got Sandor in a unit of pyromancers, just in any list, and say you include Tycho or the High Sparrow in that list as well to keep the pyromancers alive, Fueled by Slaughter is going to help so much. But you can really do like a High Sparrow slash Fueled by Slaughter heal bomb where you go in with maybe like one rank and then Sandor heals with Fueled by Slaughter because if they're in pyromancers, they should be wiping out a rank. And then, you know, you hear me roar the panic test where they just fail it on their own. And then High Sparrow heals them again. Like, I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on just how much his regular ability can heal. And for that reason, I think he's great in just any list, just whatever. Just plug him in the list if you've got a point. Um, yeah, I think he's definitely, I mean, we'll, we'll miss cutting down, cutting down with a funny ability, but fueled by slaughter for <laughs> me is definitely better. And then you're getting the vulnerable token and the Clegane affiliation all for one point. I think Really, if you look at his one point and what you get out of him, he is one of the best economy attachments out there, um, especially if you're playing Gregor, which I think a lot of people are right now, because Gregor brings so much of that offense to a revised game that's lacking a lot of that offensive punch that it used to have. So I'm really digging him. Yeah. Um, I like him. I'm using him. I'm using him in the TFL. He's in my... Uh, Gregor Porfellow list, not the best list. I could have done better, but I really haven't played a lot, so I didn't uh, maximize my list for the most efficiency. But he's doing pretty well even in just a unit of four fellows in a Gregor list. So I'm pretty happy with 2021 Sandor. Yeah, and to put it in perspective, the way you're you're saying one of the best, uh, you know, uh, value for your you know your points like for an attachment just to put it in perspective i would take him even if i knew i was never going to get a charge and it wasn't uh in a clagane uh list meaning i literally was only getting fueled by slaughter and that's all i paid the one point for and the reason i say that is because Greyjoys have war swarms and i gladly pay one point for those in there I mean, granted, I wouldn't pay one point for Field by Slaughter if I'm just going to put it in a whatever unit, but if I'm going to put it in, let's say, like Pyromancers or something that I need to keep alive that I know is going to dish out damage, uh, like, you know, you can make an argument for putting him in Guardsmen, but uh, I would just rather put many other options in there. Um but yeah, putting him in anything offensive and knowing that you would never get a charge or that the House Clegane affiliation would even matter, Fueled by Slaughter is still so good for one point. So that's just kind of putting in perspective of how great this attachment is. Um, 
Moving on, we have Tyrion Lannister, the giant of Lannister. He has one order. Uh, order hey, is counter strategy. Yeah. You said we were out of generic attachments, but I don't remember talking about the assault vet or the guard captain. Um, the guard captain was in the visions. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, you know it? No, that was my fault. Um, so I clicked on the first image in the in the all the images I sent you, and the first one that showed me was the champion. But if I click to the left, yep, there's Clegane Butcher and uh, Assault Vet. So, um, so we'll finish up with Tyrion, and then we'll go back over the couple that I missed. Um, so Tyrion Lannister, the giant of Lannister, he has the order counter strategy. When an enemy in short range uses an order or is targeted by a tactics card, roll a die, and on a three-up, cancel the effect of that order or tactics card. Um, to me, uh, he is one point, right? Not two? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, amazing attachment for one point. Uh, I know it seems situational being short range, but just ask yourself how many times even taking tactics cards out of it how many times is there an order that is going to really screw things up for you that it would be awesome to stop uh you know most of the time uh for example just throwing it out there resilience on stagnites you know stagnites are amazingly tough and hard to kill but you take away that resilience and they're going to fall, especially if you put him in some pyromancers. And now we're talking about all these other cool combos with pyromancers, but even just him, pyromancers base with nothing in them do a crazy amount of damage. Uh, and just so for someone that, you know, this is a very common mistake. Pyromancers just don't allow defensive saves. Uh, resilience will still have pyromancers attacks attacks because they're not auto wounds because um, you still are generating hits and the hits get halved anyways um but yeah throw Tyrion, and you don't even have to throw Tyrion in the pyromancers if you can ensure that Tyrion's unit is going to be close to let's say the stagnites and then you charge in with the pyromancers to just try to really lay into them and then use this order to stop the resilience. I mean, that'll be all the difference. I mean, is, ask yourself, is that worth one point? Definitely. This is an amazing attachment. Uh, and my opinion, very fair. I don't think this by any means is some game-breaking attachment. Uh, but it's definitely game-changing attachment. Um, and, yeah, I, I absolutely love this attachment. Uh, Brett, what do you think? Yeah, I think he's pretty good. Um, I think maybe his hiccup would be that his commander, in my opinion, is still very strong, and his NCU is phenomenal, um, particularly if you're doing a Gregor pairing with another commander. Uh, most of the time you're going to want Tyrion NCU in your Gregor list uh, because he helps you get those cards that you really need. But um, additionally, I have found that his, um, his NCU's counterplot is just amazing. Um, so Kyrian attachment suffers a little bit from that, but, yeah, I do think he's good. Um, and I think 
with the Night's Watch order being so powerful um, the from the Watch Captain, uh, I think he's invaluable in giving you at least a chance to to kind of compete with that if you can get Tyrion's unit up in their face and cancel their resilient order. Uh, it's pretty nice um, because as I understand it, and I could be wrong, but I don't think I am, they trigger their order at the start of the turn. If you cancel that order, then it's not like they just get a pass. Then they have to go and activate something else that round and their order's lost. So it's pretty good um, in that match. But you can also stop, like, the swift retreat from Dothraki veterans. You can stop the quickfire order, um, things like this. So I think it could be pretty good. Um, I saw him being used a little bit towards the end of 1.6, and some people were having a little bit of luck with him. Uh, He might be even better in the 2021 version because there's so little hard control. Stock and counterplot has gone up substantially, but the stock in counter-strategy is also really, really nice. And I think a lot of free folk guys are leaning into Mance because of that order, and I think people are starting to appreciate any element of control that you can get in this version of the game. Yeah, and you were mentioning about stopping the, the is it relentless, um, for the free attacker maneuver. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, imagine you were outside of doing this, you know, short range, and they use the relentless, shoot you. You then uh, get, like, a free maneuver from the zone or something and move up within short. Then you activate to charge them. Use this order to stop the ready aim release. Now you're in combat with them. They're stuck. And now you can start using your order from that point on to stop the relentless or the ready aim release. Because if they retreat from you, you just charge back in, use this order again, stop ready aim release. I mean, you could really tie up uh, a 10-point unit for as little as five points if you wanted to throw him in poor fellows. So I think there's definitely some cool combos and really some game-changing things you can do with this attachment. Uh, Vlad, what do you think about uh, about Tyrion here? I, I agree with uh, what uh, what have you both said. Uh, in my opinion, this is how Lannisters play the game. Uh, it's a beautiful piece of uh, denial uh, for opponent. Uh, it's a little bit hard to choose between his NCU version and uh, this attachment version. Uh, but uh, I, I do not have anything more to say because you covered it up very well. But uh, <laughs> I really, yeah, I, I really, imagining that uh, on his NCU version you have uh, access to a third counterplot card. Uh, on this attachment uh, version, you can uh, cancel like two or three cards per game if you play his order way uh, good, and uh, it, it will transform your opponent's gameplay into nightmare. So yeah, I, I really like uh, I really like him. Yeah. Yeah, it's. It's definitely hard. He falls into the same uh, thing as, you know, his brother, Jamie Lannister. Jamie has so many great options, and, you know, it's always hard to choose which one is going to work for you the best. It really comes down to, at that point, your list and what 
uh, version is going to benefit your list the best in that moment. Um, next up, we'll uh, jump back over here to the Assault Veteran uh, and then the Clegane Butcher. So the Assault Vet, one point, gives intimidating presence. Uh, pretty simple. Enemies engaged with this unit suffer minus one morale test and plus one wound on failing panic tests. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, in my opinion, arguably the best one-point generic attachment in context with its faction. So, um, obviously, intimidating presence isn't going to be that amazing across every faction, but, you know, this attachment in Lannisters is just, it can get bonkers. Like uh, Brett was saying with putting them in Pyromancers, uh, now you're at minus three morale, uh, with the attack and plus um, plus one to the damage on top of all those uh, no save hits, and then visage is uh, going to cause a minus four on the first time if you like get charged, and then uh, it's going to be d3 plus one could be plus two plus three if you have Joffrey or Hear Me Roar. I mean the assault veteran. I yeah I find myself. Uh, as long as, you know, depending on who I'm playing, because it can get kind of um, oppressive, is Assault Veteran and Guardsman, like just two of them. And now I just run them up like the flanks of my table. I mean, granted, very slowly with that four-inch move, but now you don't even want to charge or attack me with that Lannister Supremacy while I now have a little bit of a bite when I'm attacking you, because I just have to do a little poke to you, you know, and then now you're taking morale at minus one with one extra wound. And then I also love putting uh, the Lannister pays his debts on the unit. So that way, when something else dies, I can start getting three up to the hit with Vicious. Uh, and now you're really turning these six-point tanks into, you know, pretty offensive. Uh, so, yeah, I think Assault Veteran is amazingly good. Uh, Brett, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's pretty good. Um, and that's an interesting situation for Lannisters because I think that of all the factions who got reworked, Lannisters might be the best. And it's not because Lannisters are so oppressively powerful. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're definitely very good. But their rework was so good because they made so many things valid. The struggle with playing Lannisters a lot of the time is figuring out what you want to play because there's so many things that work. And for that matter, I don't think I've seen so far a Lannister list that's just copy-pasted. Now, the, the version is young, um, it's kind of new, uh, and people are still experimenting, but I think that says a lot. Uh, and, and it's a good thing because towards the end of 2016, but it wasn't even necessarily at the end. In 2016, uh, or in, I'm sorry, in 1.6, dang it, I, excuse me, in the 1.6 version, a lot of the times you had, like, the same list being being run. Maybe one NCU was different, you know, maybe it was Varys instead of, you know, uh, Peter Baelish or something like this, or it was Cersei instead of Varys. But for the most part, the lists were largely the same, you know, and these were the lists that you saw over and over and over again. Um, in this version, I don't think we see that because the Lannisters are so good 
and a lot of that comes from their unit being good and their attachment all being so strong. So with that said, yeah, like the assault veteran, like you're mentioning, like pick a unit, and he's not going to be bad in it, no matter what unit you pick. Any unit that you pick, he's going to be good because intimidating presence is so good in this game uh, because you've just got to engage something. And then once you engage them, it's all of those panic tests that get the, get the uh, negatives. It's, you know, when your friend attacks with vicious, it's when your pyromancers lob fire into it if they're in core fellows. Um, that's a strategy I've given some thought to, just kind of running a bunch of core fellows, maybe one of them with an assault vet, to fan out the activations enough that the pyromancers can get an advantage. Then they just lob fireballs in, give the poor fellows faith tokens, and then the opponent's taking, you know, a minus three with D3 plus one every time the pyromancers shoot. Um, you can do a crown zap with this guy engaged, and it's right there, a minus two. Um, yeah, so he's really, really strong. Um, one of the reasons I'm running the Mountain That Rides in the uh, TSL is because I've got Flademen who have Intimidating Presence, and I have the Mountain That Rides who also have Intimidating Presence. And that is why, that's, I mean, that's how highly I rate that ability. So being able to pick it up for a point on an infantry unit is nasty. And I played Blood Raven. We were kind of just tinkering around, and I ran uh, a dragon list. It was just one dragon, but it was a Targaryen list. And he had um, a bunch of poor fellows and then pyromancers with an assault veteran, and I charged my dragon into it, had to take the morale test at minus four, and I failed it. <laughs> and my <laughs> dragon ended up taking four wounds, and then he turned around and activated the pyromancers, and even at his last rank, he killed them. So, yeah, I mean, it's obviously that's an extreme example, but even it, it just goes to show, you know, even a dragon at morale two, all of a sudden taking a panic test at minus four, that's when I charged and really kind of thought about what was about to happen. I was like, man, this is very failable, and I failed it. So, and it, it cost me the game right then and there. Like, well, there goes the dragon, so because it was like, this is either yeah. going to work out and I'm going to kill his eight-point unit or something bad's going to happen and he's going to destroy my dragon and something bad happened and he destroyed my dragon. So, no bueno. Yeah, I definitely, the assault veteran is just so good. The intimidating presence is just so good. And, you know, that kind of leads me to just reference the guard captain. You know, at face value, it looks like they're just opposites of each other, but the assault veteran is like the opposite of the card guards captain and then plus a bunch extra, you know, because the guard captain is only ever going to apply to himself or his own unit with a plus one to panic test rolls and minus one from failing panic tests. As the assault vet, like you were saying, it's enemies engaged are always taking this uh, debuff. And then not only yeah. that, the other key word to keep uh, is important is intimidating presence is all morale tests. Iron resolve is only panic tests. So if you have something that triggers off of, you know, that says a morale test, uh, iron resolve isn't going to help you. 
uh, you know, let's say they try to throw an ability on you, like take a morale test if you pass, you know, or if you fail, this happens. Okay, well, guard captain's not going to help you there. Uh, whereas if you have an ability that forces your opponent to take a morale test, then this uh, intimidating presence is going to apply as long as you're engaged. Uh, now, you could make the argument that Iron Resolve is happening whether or not you're engaged, but I don't know. I just well, I want to like the guard captain. What were you saying? Subjugation of power comes to mind. So it, it, depending on what unit is being subjugated, uh, that card can be very, very potent because um, you shut all of their abilities off for the turn. But if it's like a really offensive unit, like enemy pyromancers or enemy sworn brothers or enemy ranger hunters that really want to hit and run, uh, subjugation of power can end up being a card that screws them. And that's one of those cases where, you know, at face value, I think a lot of people kind of look at the Lannisters and they're like, well, you know, it's not as hard control as it was before. But it's control in a game where almost no control exists. So it's pretty darn good. Um, I have fallen in love with the Lannister deck uh, after playing a few games with it again. Um, I'm definitely deep deep diving back into Lannisters. They're my faction choice. And just playing games with Lannisters, they're really, really good. They've still got a lot of ways to just totally screw you. And I know we're not talking about the tactics deck, but uh, Bribery is another one that's just amazing. Uh, If you get Bribery off on, like, Slademen or something, and they're stuck at four attacks, and then you subjugation of power them on top of it, this eight-point powerhouse unit really has nothing when they charge. They're just coming in with four regular-ass attacks. So I, yep. it's just cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm rambling. Uh, Vlad, what do you think about uh, the assault vet here? Uh, oh, it looks like there's... Can you hear me? Now? Oh, okay. Sorry, I can hear you. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, my uh, yeah, it's showing two of you on my switchboard. Oh yeah, I, my <laughs> internet uh, connection dropped off for one minute, so I uh, reconnected on your uh, radio uh, frequency. Uh, oh, okay. The way, okay. The way intimidating presence works with the new uh, uh, horrific visage and the new. Lancer uh, supremacy. Uh, it's uh, the reason <laughs> that will uh, make your uh, opponent think uh, twice, or maybe more than twice, if they want to attack that unit or not. Uh, I've seen a situation when uh, somebody uh, charged uh, uh, a dragon in a pyromancer's uh, with. Uh, uh, Ruth Bolton, and uh, he played uh, uh, on top of that. He played the hero mirror. So now the dragon took, the, I think, it took four wounds or five wounds, I think, uh, before attacking that unit. So uh, uh, it was a mess. Uh, I I feel that it has a, a place uh, in a lot of builds because he pairs very very. Uh, well with uh, the Lannister tactics deck and uh, it's an important uh, attachment because it works as defensively pairing uh, him with horrific visage and uh, the uh, Lannister supremacy as offensively uh, 
when when you attack and uh, busting up fishes, uh, it's it always always good. So uh, uh, definitely a thumb up thumb uh, up for this uh, new uh, build for the sun veteran. Yeah, and you know, and I mentioned uh, how potent him and guardsman is at max. Even just thinking of him in Guardsman at last rank, still having to take a minus two plus two is still going to punish you for even attacking them when they're weak. Um, but next up, uh, we're going to talk about the Clegane Butcher for two points. He brings, uh, he's a cavalry attachment, which brings an order for spread fear. When an enemy engaged with this unit fails panic test, target one other enemy in long range of this unit. It suffers one panic test with minus one to their roll for each remaining rank in this unit. On a failure, it suffers plus one wound. So intimidating presence means they're going to be taking that at minus potentially, uh, well, minus three with uh, uh, plus two. So... And then we can resolve for each time this enemy, uh, each time an enemy engaged with this unit fails a panic test, that enemy becomes weakened. Now, I want to say this guy looks like he has a lot of potential, but for two points, cavalry are already so you know on the higher price tag of things that paying ten points for your knight to cavalry rock or ten points for your uh, Lannister, uh, um, or sorry, your uh, uh, Flademan is just, I don't know, what you're getting out of it is just not worth it, in my opinion. Uh, I think maybe taking one of these abilities away and making them one point would be way better, and I don't even know which one you would take away. I think both have their merits. Um, say maybe take away Spread Fear just because it's an order. That way you can have weakened resolve trigger every time, uh, you know, and really get your value out of that one point you're paying. Uh, whereas spread fear, it's just a, a one time per round, and that's if they even fail, uh, if the new unit even fails. Um, so, I don't know. I it's just find it. I find it hard to justify him for two points, especially when we're just talking about all these one-point attachments that you could take any two of them for the price of uh, what he's bringing. Uh, Brett, have you had any success with the butcher here? Yeah, I mean to be honest, uh, yeah, at two points, I've just it's unfortunate because I, I really want to like him and I want to run him, but at two points, it's just too steep. Uh, for me, it's too steep because they're both they're both situational. So if they pass their morale tests, which is something obviously we've seen happen, <laughs> you know, things that aren't <laughs> supposed to pass do pass. Yeah. And you paid two points and you didn't get anything. Um, and Flademan and Knights of Castle Rock definitely aren't unkillable. And when you see a 10-point unit of Cav running around, you're definitely like, well, I'm going to go kill this unit if quarter of their army. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, for me, uh, yeah, it's just not enough. Um, and I, I try not to do the the whole game of what would I do with it and how would I make it better, um, you know, because I think, as I mentioned earlier, Simon knocked Lannisters out of the park, but this one is just a miss for me. 
Um, I think he would be fine as is with, at one point um, because they're both conditional. They're both on the enemy failing, and you've got armies like the fake militant, which is starting to come around as a popular build. So in a mirror match, he's probably not going to be very good into a faith militant army. Uh, you've got Targaryens, pretty much a solid five. Night's Watch, pretty much a solid five across the board. Uh, you've got the Stannis side can bring the Raylor builds, which are, you know, morale four, morale five for the Queensmen. Um, you know, Free Folk, you're not seeing a lot of high morale, but yeah, it just you're seeing all of berserker lists build, for uh, Starks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just just in general, an ability that relies on your opponent rolling badly for it to go off and work isn't great. And I don't – you've only got so many hear me roars, even when you're playing with Cersei. And, like, yeah, there's going to be a situation where spread fear, yeah, it can totally screw them. Like, man, my one unit failed and then spread fear happened and they played hear me roar on it and I lost two units from one attack. But how often is that really going to happen? Probably not super often. They probably erred towards the side of caution when they made him, you know, and they were like, well, you know, we don't want Lannister's chain panicking because if you think about it, and I, I mentioned this with Red Cloak, it's kind of a meme, funny thing that really probably wouldn't happen. But if you had a bunch of units with spread fear and you could literally, like, chain a panic test from from a unit of Red Cloaks, like – or anything, really. You spread fear onto a unit that's engaged with a unit that has a Dreadfort captain, and you spread fear again. <laughs> it could be funny, but probably not anything that you want to, you know, make any real plans around. Yeah. Um, and then that's also so not I guess to in mention... In, in conclusion, I'm just saying, I, I, I would assume that Simon just went with caution on that one, because it, it was something that was mentioned, you know, um, I'm sure that, that the, 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 the spread fear chain could happen, and they, they maybe just wanted to make sure that it didn't get out of control. Yeah, and, you know, that's kind of the same thing with the lance ability with the spread fear is that in, innately being on a cavalry unit, you have one less rank, so it makes it less effective as those that have, uh, you know, let's say... Um, the free folk spearwives, when they charge something, they get one for every rank, so they're going to get three auto hits. Whereas uh, the Knights of Castle Rock and the Tully Cavaliers only get two extra. Same with the Spread Fear here; you're only getting minus two on the roll, rather than a, a unit with a Dreadfort giving minus three to the roll. I think uh, I think I kind of agree with you. This exact attachment at one point. Uh, would be would be Flademan might make this too good at one point, but I'd be okay with them changing it to one so that we can kind of see how it plays uh, and go from there. Uh, I'm not completely yeah, against got, the idea. You've got Fortune Seeker and Glory Seeker at one point now too, so I really don't think yep. if he was one point, it would be a really big problem because those attachments exist at one point, so. But we yep. don't make those decisions. We'll we'll let Simon look at everything when they do the next balance patch. Yep. All right, uh, Vlad. What do you think about the butcher? Yeah, I mean the the worst the worst thing about this guy is uh, that his both of his abilities rely on your opponent uh, failing a panic set, 
the way I see him, uh, uh, he should have a place uh, in a full supremacy list with timing because he can uh, let out the weekend token. But even even there, his two point uh, cost is not uh, uh, justified enough. Uh, and the, the best part of uh, this guy is uh, that it really has a cool uh, uh, scout and uh, I think that he, uh, we, we can agree that uh, he announces a, a house school game, cavalry unit uh, coming uh, coming down uh, in the future releases. So uh, um, I hope he will be reworked in a way that uh, we can yeah, and I think that's a great point. Uh, something I think uh, we had brought up when we talked about him a long time ago is that, uh, who knows, maybe the new Clegane, uh, if there's a Clegane Calvary that comes out, maybe they have something that just he combines with them so amazingly well that he's worth his two points. I mean, I don't think think that will be the case, but who knows? I mean, we, we don't really know everything, um, so it is a possibility. But, uh, yeah, I I would definitely love to try him out um, at one point. At two point, I just can't justify that investment, um, which is a shame because he is arguably one of my favorite poses uh, for any of the cavalry in any faction. Uh, I absolutely love his model. Um all right, next up we have Gregor Clegane, Mounted Behemoth. This is the uh, – Brett, correct me if I'm wrong. He's two points, or is he three? Uh, he is three. Uh, mounted Behemoth is three points. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he gives Unstoppable Wrath, which is the unit gets to deal two auto wounds every time they attack – with melee, and then he also has the uncontrolled rage. Each time this unit activates, if it can charge an enemy, it performs one morale test. On a failure, it performs one charge action on the nearest valid enemy and counts as rolling a six for all charge distance dice. So, I don't, uh, I mean, I understand why he's three points. That two auto wounds on a heavy cavalry could just obliterate things, uh, especially putting him in uh, Flayed Men or something, because between that uh, panic at minus three plus one um, with the intimidating presence and vicious and critical blow, yeah, I could see why they wanted to do that uh, or make him three. The uncontrolled rage doesn't make sense, though, because as you were mentioning, Vlad, they had clarified the um, uh, the taunt and Uncontrolled Rage is exactly the same as Taunt in the sense of timing and the way it would work. So uh, is that saying that you wouldn't have to? You would be even be able to do your free maneuver? It's when you activate, you would then have to immediately charge, and you wouldn't get your free maneuver? No, I think it's simultaneous with the free maneuver. I'm looking right now, but I think the way that works is the free maneuver is when you activate, and since you're the active player, you can do the free maneuver first and then take your uncontrolled rage. But just to make sure I'm not lying, I'm going to, I'm going to look up the cavalry ability at the start of this unit's activation. I think it's a little bit of point of contention as to when the start is, 
but I would think that the maneuver could be done first either way. If you say at the start is before the activation, or if you say that it's simultaneous, then you would be able to resolve the free maneuver first and then take your test. Because there's no way that they meant for it to be an auto six because most cavalry units are maneuvering five. So it's really not giving you any benefit except for like one inch. Yeah. Like if you're 12 inches away, you know, um, no, it wouldn't matter. It's really not giving you anything, right? Anyways, I'm, yeah. I'm sure that this is a case of simultaneous trigger, and you can resolve that free cavalry maneuver first and then take your test. Yeah. I just asked because Vlad was mentioning something about they had mentioned uh, with the um, taunt, you know, because with that, with that timing, you could then free maneuver out of – or does taunt doesn't need line of sight anymore, does it? Let me, I can't remember. Let me check again. Let me go I think find the, it. I think the issue with taunt is you're taunting on their turn, so they get to resolve their free maneuver first. When an enemy in short range activates, yeah, so they activate their free maneuver simultaneous with taunt, so they can resolve their free maneuver first. But I'm sure, yeah. I would hope, I would hope when we get an errata, I think that hopefully taunt will be, because listening to Michael Shinoff's podcast, I think as it's intended, Taunt is able to screw with Cavalry. It's just not quite worded that way. So we might see an errata that kind of clears that up and, and validates Taunt even more against Cavalry. Yeah, because uh, you might not be able to move your free maneuver out of line, line of sight. I mean, you could, but it would still be affected by Taunt. But uh, you could free maneuver like six and a quarter inches away to be outside of it so it can't trigger, and then you just declare charge, knowing that, uh, you know, you only fail on a one, or if you're a six-inch uh, cavalry, you're auto-in. But, uh, yeah, so uh, with that said, going back to Gregor here, uh, uncontrolled rage, uh, there's not really any, well, I guess you could put them in glory, or not glory seekers, um, the hedge knights or Zorse riders, because then you're only paying 10 points for the unit, and they have a uh, a seven-up morale, helping you uh, fail that chart or that morale test. Um, but but with that said, I think I would rather just pay one more point for flayed men and uh, have one better morale. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that's all I really have to say about him. He's he he's three points. I'm I think he's fairly priced um, because of the potential of how much you could do. Especially like I said with Flademan, you know you're getting what seven dice on the charge, hitting on threes with two auto wounds in there, and then they're more than likely going to fail that minus three panic test. Now they're taking a D three plus one. Uh, you have critical blow. You have rerolls on the charge. Uh, you have the potential for an auto charge over, um, you know, from 11 inches away after your five-inch maneuver. Uh, yeah, it, it could be insanely good. Um, Brett, what do you think? I played a guy in TSL. Uh, it's Appenkopf. He's a very good German player. He was known for playing Lannisters in, like, 1.4. Right around the same time I was playing that Tywin's Mad Dog Tyrion list, uh, he was terrorizing Europe with basically the same list. Uh, and this was before TTS when all of the metas came together. So 
Um, that I'm just saying he's a he's a known Lannister player across the pond. And we played a Lannister mirror, and he had Tywin's mat, or he had the mounted behemoth in a unit of Flademen in a Tywin list. And he didn't end up picking that list for our game. Oh, did he? I think he did. I think he did. And I was horrified of that unit. And it did <laughs> do a lot of killing. But I got really, really, really lucky in that game. And I had my Sandor poor fellows that charged with assault orders. And I managed to get three precision wounds against the flayed men and failed their panic with Hear Me Roar and killed them. And then I overran into his other key unit, and that was able to get me the game. I can't remember. I either killed the red cloaks and overran into the flayed men, or I killed the flayed men and overran into the red cloaks. I got super lucky regardless. But those flayed men with mounted behemoth just trashed my regular flayed men. Those two auto wounds and then running Tywin for issue commands to be able to attack a second time. Like, yeah, if you get blasted by flayed men and twice, and you take four auto wounds plus whatever other damage they do plus the two panic tests, that the panic test becomes mandatory if you're attacked by Gregor Flademan. You're taking a panic test no matter what, and it's getting intimidated presence. That is a scary unit. <laughs> um, I'm interested to see how Appenkopf does the rest of the event, but he's definitely running Mounted Behemoth with Tywin Commander, and I think there's a very strong build there. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah, uh, I I could only imagine. Uh, I mean, it is 11 points, but I feel like depending on the matchup, it's going to kill way more than 11 points worth of stuff. Um, but that's not to say it's like broken. You just you're going to have to invest a lot to kill that thing. Um, and there's definitely ways. Uh, there's definitely lots of tricks and techniques to be able to deal with it. Um, Vlad, what what uh, are your thoughts? Have you had any experience with or against uh, the three point attachment? Yeah, in the in the recent uh, version of the game, no. Uh, I used it a lot uh, in the previous version, uh, and I uh, pair, paired it up with uh, uh, the Knight of Castellera. Uh The thing that I see now, really enough, that uh, this guy uh, has exactly the same abilities as his in, uh, infantry uh, version of uh, the Mountain, uh, but it costs uh, one, uh, one point more. So uh, when already all your um, uh, cavalry units are pretty expensive, uh, making him a uh, uh, three-point attachment uh, that has exactly the same abilities uh, as his uh, infantry attachment, uh, I do not know that it uh, justifies well the 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 point cost. Uh, the two wounds uh, is very very useful because I played uh, a lot with uh, uh, the mount on uh, in a unit of uh, warrior sons and uh, and. Uh, the uncontrollable rage works uh, in both ways, assuring you uh, a little point charge, you know. But uh, uh, I do not think that in the list build you will have the resources to, to pay three points for this guy. That's 
that's that is how I see it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the one the one point uh, it's really coming from the fact that it, you're able to put it in a cavalry unit. So, you know, a cavalry unit more so than an infantry unit can definitely be way more of a Death Star because if you have all that movement, you can kill something on one side of the table and easily make your way all the way to the other side of the table if needed. Um, uh, Slow Death Stars are way more easy to handle, you know, get those flank charges, even rear charges sometimes if you can really outnumber them. Cavalry... A lot of times, you know, you get that free menu or free retreat from the board, and then just retreat back so far, and then now you have that free activation to maneuver again. I think uh, the potential is why you have to probably pay that extra point. But it's a nice segue into our next attachment, which is the Gregor Kugain Lord Tywin's Mad Dog. Uh, infantry attachment for two points. This unit's melee attacks deal plus two wounds and uncontrolled rage. So as you were saying, Vlad, it's literally the same thing. You're just paying one less point because he's going an infantry unit. But with that said, uh, I don't think any less dangerous. I think uh, it's, um, you know, putting him in pyromancers. I mean, granted, you're paying nine points, but, you know, that's... Now you go from, uh, you know, if you charge in with pyromancers with him, especially if you get if you fail your six-up morale because of uh, uncontrolled rage, you get in there. If you can hit with all your dice, you're doing nine auto wounds, and now they have to take a minus two panic test, and if they fail or if they um, like epically fail, you know, roll a three on the d3, you literally just one shot at the unit, even if they pass they have three models left and you have um, a full unit because assuming you hit with everything, you didn't roll any ones and you didn't take any damage from your attack. But now if they want to attack you, they have to take a a visage at uh, minus three. Um, And then you can, you know, throw like Joffrey on them or have a hear me roar to really help them kill themselves if they fail. Because granted, if you have three wounds left and you, you have a, uh, you have a 66% chance that you live, even if you fail, if you only roll a one or a two. But still, um, I think uh, him and anything really aggressive is, is always going to be worth the two points. Um, Brett, what about you? Have you used him yet? I haven't tinkered around with him yet, but I, I do like... Uh... Vlad's idea there of putting him in Warrior Sun because no matter what happens with that Warrior Sun test, you're probably happy. They either get a faith token out of it if they pass, or they fail and you get the six inch charge. So it's kind of a kind of a win win situation for you. But I think if you yep. get them to within an, to within an inch to where you can't fail the charge anyway, or within two inch or somewhere where you don't mind making that charge anyway you still get to take that morale test, so you might just end up setting them up with a faith token anyway. So he's kind of close to the champion of faith in that regard because you want to get that uh, that engine churning with the faith tokens. You want to get those warrior sons uh, being able to use them defensively and offensively to get the most out of them. And maybe, you know, I'm biased right now because I'm really high on warrior sons at the moment. But yeah, I definitely I can see where where you're coming from with that build. I uh, 
I quite like it. Um, I think if you want to pay the points for it, that's a nine-point unit of Warrior Suns. But if you build the right list and you actually build the list around that unit being your hero, I think you could end up doing some serious uh, damage to your opponent with that unit. And it's, it's kind of tanky as well. So uh, I Pyromancers are great. Um, halberds are great because it's two wounds every melee attack. Um, and then the Warrior Suns are also great. But, I mean, I could see him going in Poor Fellows. It's kind of this budget, like, eh, it's, it's a budget damage dealer because they can have precision and things like this. But I definitely prefer him in the units just mentioned. And I think he could really uh, have the potential to earn his points back. Vlad, uh, what's what's your thoughts um, beyond uh, what you've already mentioned? Yes, uh, if I can repeat myself, I love to play uh, playing him in the Warrior Songs. I uh, recently I was to to a tournament and uh, uh, I had win uh, four consecutive games and uh, had lost uh, my last games against uh, very good players. Uh, I won't lie that that was my centerpiece. The the warrior sounds like the Grey of Um the uncontrolled rage ability it's so thematic. So uh, I even have the discussion with my opponents and uh, they ask it if it's uh, not a uh, writing error on the on the card because uh, they understood it that will go on if you pass your your and I had to explain it no because uh, the mountain won't obey you so once in battle he will always do what you want uh, the two wounded one for <laughs> it's just a guarantee a panic check uh, uh, played, played him uh, in a fate uh, list so everybody in front of me was panicked and vulnerable so the panic uh, the, the, the panic to- the, there was panic tokens everywhere uh, this guy will bust up attacks for any unit that you have in the, in the in your list. Uh, I really like that he's two points. Uh, his previous version it was three points. Uh, he's one of my favorite picks and my favorite choices as an attachment. And uh, as Brett mentioned, you can really build uh, around around him to to, to really uh, make him work. Uh, I even uh, one shot it. Uh, Two dragons in that in that tournament. So uh, with with this unit, where south and the and the mountain. So uh, yeah, very very powerful and useful uh, attachment for the points. So next up we have uh, all the king's guard. So just so we don't linger way too long on some of them, I'm going to go over. Uh, um, Barristan and Jamie last, and the other five, I'm going to kind of read off all their abilities, and then we'll kind of talk about all five of them as like a group uh, and kind of what stands out. So we have, uh, first up, Preston Greenfield. He has Orders of the Crown. Each time a friendly NCU claims the Crown Zone, you may replace that zone's effect with Preston Greenfield's unit performs one maneuver or march action. Marion Trant. Uh, intimidation of the crown. If you control the crown, when this unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, the defender becomes panicked and weakened. Next up, we have Mandon Moore. 
dominance of the crown. If you control the crown, when this unit is performing a melee attack, it gets plus one to hit and sundering. Boris Blount, vengeance of the crown. After this unit is attacked with a melee attack, if you control the crown, the attacker suffers one wound for each of its destroyed ranks. And then last up, we have Eris Okart, protection of the crown. While you control the crown, each time this unit is attacked, it may reroll any defense dice. So all are, uh, some more than others, are great abilities. Uh, I'll start here with Preston first. I think um, he's the most situational. You really have to put him in a unit, um, I would say even in a list with three NCUs, so that encourages you more to want to actually claim the crown, uh, because a lot, of, a lot of lists are just running Joffrey in order to count as the crown but this one you need to claim it and replace it to even get its effects so i would say he's probably the last on my list of the king's guard attachment but he definitely has his place he definitely has some cool combos with him in um red cloaks or just some other stuff even just making a unit much faster i mean because it is a march action so you can get really far up the field you could even um take this and march to their rear and change facing, you know, or, you know pivot to face their rear uh, and be unactivated still. Um, so he definitely has a lot of potential. So that's, you know, even though he's last on my list, it's not to say that he's not great and has lots of uh, cool tricks he can kind of do. Uh, Marion Trant, um, I like his ability. Um, if you're going to want those tokens, I would say... Uh, you know, putting him in something other than, uh, like, Poor Fellows, um, be just because of that, the Poor Fellows with Champion, the combo is just so much easier and better uh, comboing. But if you want to get those tokens out without having to worry about passing a panic test, he's great in pretty much any other unit. Um, you know, the fact that you get a weakened instead of vulnerable is nice, too. He, he'll go great in a Tywin list. So... I, I like him a lot. Mando Moore, um, I love him because of how well he combos with a lot of things, but in particular, cutthroats. A lot of people have had a lot of, you know, uh, complaints about cutthroats compared to what they used to be, which is understandable, but him and cutthroats, making him hit on threes with rerolls, sundering and vicious and vulnerabling your opponent if they haven't activated, I mean... That's only a six-point investment, and that you're going to hit so hard uh, with all those abilities if you're swinging first, um, especially because you could take Joffrey on the combat zone, count as the crown, get a free attack, get all those abilities, and still be unactivated to do it again. Uh, I absolutely love that combo to really drive uh, the potential of Cutthroat's home. Bloris uh, Blount. Um, he's a lot more situational, uh, and I think uh, he's he's great for one point, but he's you really got to find the right unit to put him in. Otherwise, you can kind of just avoid his uh, um, uh, his damage. And then lastly, we have Okart uh, rerolling defense dice. Again, amazing, especially put him in guardsmen. I mean, uh, there's a good chance that. Uh, you know, that unit's never dying. But 
you can get around it again by if you attack them before you have the crown, do a bunch of damage in, and uh, you just kind of play that game, and hopefully they don't heal the guardsmen. But uh, even re-rolling a four-up is still great. Uh, Brett, what do you think about these five guys? Uh, you know, I think I think you mentioned it that uh, there's a build somewhere for um, Preston, uh, and I, I think I agree. Um, I was tinkering around with the idea of using him in my Tyrion delivery, Tyrion the mailman delivery system, because he could really help get the pyromancers home. And I know we have ended up talking about pyromancers a lot here, but I think that says a lot about just how powerful they are because all of us really rate them. So I think Preston in a unit of pyromancers, if you've got the activation advantage where you can really take advantage of it, uh, I think it could be really, really nasty doing that free march. If you're running him in a Tyrion list and you happen to have Cunning Ploy as well, uh, you can double march those pyromancers and really get them home. And I think if that happens, I think your opponent's kind of screwed. So um, that comes to mind for him. Um, Oakheart is definitely um, the best defensive. Um, but like you said, there's ways around it, and I think ultimately they might just totally avoid the unit that Oakheart's in, but I think he's pretty strong. Trant uh kind of conflicts with the champion of the faith obviously he's giving a different token than the champion of the faith does but uh, it's still a little bit of a conflict because uh the uh, okart or Mirren trant has to be engaged and the champion of faith doesn't so there's that issue um and then who who was the other one i'm so sorry uh mandon moore no i think mandon moore is great uh mandon moore in mountainsmen in a clegane list is just going to be nasty. Um, I think he's pretty darn good myself, actually, just just in general. He's giving plus one to hit and thundering to any unit. Um, I like the idea of putting him in guard as well because similarly to uh, the Sentinel Enforcer and making it happen, um, you know, putting Man and Moore in the Guardsmen kind of makes them less I mean, they can't completely ignore them because hitting on threes with thundering, they can actually do some damage. If they get Lannister Pace's death on them, like you mentioned, which is obviously a very good idea, um, you can end up hitting on twos with thundering and vicious. And at that point, you definitely can't look past the guardsmen. So um, all of these things work. They're kind of situational, but it's just ways to get the most out of those units, I think. Now, who uh, who's kind of your favorite unit to throw uh, Oakheart in for the reroll defense dice? Uh, right now, he's in Warrior Sun. Um, that's a little bit of a mistake because I don't have any champion of the faith. Granted, that unit of Warrior Sun is like impossible to kill almost. But um, <laughs> I'm kind of looking out on my synergy with the champion of the faith. Um, I could see him going in guardsmen, but that's kind of dependent that they're just going to ignore them even more than they're already trying to ignore them. Um, but 
I just I guess it's kind of sad, but I see Oakhart as having a really good place against the Night Watch crossbow list right now because you've just got to have a way to survive all of the shots that you're going to take before you get engaged with the crossbows. And so that's why I was kind of tinkering around with him. But I think he's kind of an anti-synergy the way that I'm running him. But he could be good in Halberd uh, because they only have a four-plus defense. He could be good in Mountainsmen. Again, only a four-plus defense, but he's adding a lot to their survivability with um, – with their order or with uh, fueled by slaughter and then having some defense, they're actually going to be more difficult to move than what you might think. But, um, the prey yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's fueled by slaughter, right? Where they heal. Uh, that's the attachment for Gregor I'm talking about, or I mean the Sandor, uh, if you're talking about what they have base, I believe it's prey oh. on fear. Every time you fail a panic, you heal too. Right. For the mountainsmen? Yes, that's that's what I was talking about, yes. I knew they had something that let them heal. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm getting some (laughs) phone calls. I'm starting to get a little bit distracted trying to refocus here. Um, But, I I mean, he's good anywhere, I guess, but it's just, I mean, obviously not in Pyromancers, who have a six-plus defense, but um, (laughs) it's just a matter of what else you want out of the list, you know, what, what else you're trying to accomplish. And does he justify his place, you know? Yep. Yeah, I think he's a lot more situational. Same with uh, Boris Blount. They both are, like, super defensive in the sense that one's going to punish you with wounds and one's going to let you reroll defense dice. But if you don't have that crown yet, if they're going first, it really forces you to take uh, Joffrey on the board immediately or... Uh, if they're going first and they can hit you before you can even do that, then uh, you know you're not getting their effects. Whereas the offensive ones is a lot easier because if you're not going to attack with them yet, it gives you a little more time to set up your your combo with the crown. Whereas the defensive ones, your your opponent can kind of play around if uh, if they're smart about it. Um, Vlad, uh, how do you feel about these five attachments here? Yeah, we'll just uh, take, take them in order. So uh, starting with uh, Preston Greenfield, uh, finally we have a attachment that uh, gives us field maneuverability and uh, doesn't depend on a tactics card or overrun ability. You know, um, I will point out that uh, he won't work with uh, Peter Baelish if Peter Baelish would claim another zone and trigger the crown. You have to 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 take the crown to trigger his ability. So neither uh, Walter Frey won't, won't uh, do you uh, good uh, for, for this point of view. Uh, he's a very uh, useful uh, uh, pick in the secret missions uh, game mode because uh, you have the, the mission where you score uh, one point or two points if you have an unit in the, your uh, opponent's uh, deployment zone. So uh, I uh, advise you, if you want to go to play to a tournament, uh, to to build a, a list. Uh, and you know that there will be both uh, secret missions uh, game game mode uh, in that tournament. Build a list with uh, this guy because uh, he, that's a uh, uh, very easy way to, to score points, uh, knowing that you have 
that other mission that uh, will award you points when you expand tokens. So having the, the war priority, uh, it's a very easy to score points uh, for those two separate missions. Um, we'll jump on to the second, which is Mary Trump. Uh, I really liked this guy before because uh, he could uh, put out tokens on any action and not only on uh, on melee attacks. Uh, I can understand why he was uh, changed because uh, the war cry it triggers uh, nearly that way. Uh, I find him very thematic and very useful in the Tywin list, in the Vargo list, and uh, even with um, uh, Urus Bolton because he needs uh, tokens to trigger out he, tr trigger out his uh, his uh, his card. Uh, that's the only thing I have to say about him. Uh, Mendel Moore, uh, I will be correct, as I said for the game Butcher, that I do not find him strong enough for two points. This guy, I find him very strong for one point. So uh, He should he, be only one point. Uh, knowing that uh, you have uh, really easy access to the crown, by using Joffrey and uh, uh, he, will, he, he can help any of our uh, four uh, uh, hit, uh, units that hit on fours on, on fights, uh, giving them also thundering. Uh, so it's a very easy way to, to make him work. And his two abilities, plus one to hit and thundering, I find them very, very powerful for only one point. So. Uh, that's only my opinion. I won't say that I won't play him because of that. It's just that I find him too strong for for one point. Yeah. Uh, do you want to say something, or I will pass on Boris Blond? Um, if you have anything you wanted to mention about him, uh, you can you can do Blount and Oakheart. Okay, Boris Blount. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but will his uh, ability will trigger one when your unit is destroyed? Will will your opponent take three wounds while destroying your unit or not? No, because uh, if you're destroyed, you won't you won't be there for your ability to trigger after because the trigger is after the attack after attack, so it'd be after the attack is completed. Okay, so yeah, I can I can see him uh, defensively uh, play playing playing him defensively uh, playing with your opponent. So uh, maybe in a unit that also have a has a regeneration ability like uh, the poor fellows or uh, the mountains men, uh, uh, maybe you can play a little bit with your opponent like that by healing healing up. After that, he will attack you. He will take wounds on attacking you. After that, he will uh, attack him. You will heal back. But I, as I, as you both mentioned, we have such a variety of good uh, attachments for one point. Uh, this guy, I do not know if in, if he will stay in the same spot. It will it will see a lot of play. And as for Iris Oakheart, I really. I think he's more useful than, than Boro Blount. Uh, really like to put 
put him in the defensive uh, units or units that have uh, four, uh, they save on fours. Uh, I, I won't put him in the uh, units that have defense on sixes or fives, but it's only a personal uh, choice. Uh, but he stays and he, he's very, very useful. Yeah, and uh, before we move on uh, to our last couple here, uh, I do want to mention that with Boris Blount, the the fact that it is auto wounds uh, that they, the attacker will suffer, um, I mean, there is some merit to possibly running him in a unit if you know you're going to be facing a bunch of dragons, because the last thing a dragon wants to do is attack you deal itself some wounds, you heal up. If they try to attack you again, take more wounds. I mean, they're going to be, uh, potentially be killing themselves by attacking you. And so they might even just try to ignore the unit, which in itself, if you put it in a Gary unit, might, um, you know, prevent uh, your opponent or your, yeah, your opponent from using their dragons on it. Let's say, like, putting them in Pyromancers wouldn't be horrible because uh, then... Now you can charge into that dragon, potentially, if you're lucky enough to get the charge on it and uh, deal a bunch of wounds. And then now it's not going to want to attack you back because it could possibly be dealing itself wounds. But, you know, and that's not even just dragons. You know, if you're facing any, any like, solo-type unit, you know, Champions of the Stag, uh, or, or, sorry, um, uh, Dragonstone Noble or uh, Wolves or anything like that, they're going to avoid whatever unit he's in, like the Plague, because the last thing I wanted to do is to take auto wounds back to themselves. Um, yeah, with that said, we can jump on to our last couple here. We have Bears and Selmy. Uh, so the five that we just talked about were all one point each. Uh, Bears and Selmy is two points. Each time this unit passes the morale test, it restores one wound. And if you control the crown, it restores plus one wound. So essentially, if you... Joffrey on the board real quick and control that crown. Every single time you pass a morale test, you're healing two wounds. And then he also gives stalwart to the unit he's in. Now, him combined with, uh, we'll talk about him in the next show, High Sparrow, um, who will help you take morale tests or every time you're attacked, he can, I mean, that plus two morale, you know, putting him even in guardsman for a three up, five up, that every time you pass, you're healing, and if they're trying to attack you, you know, you're throwing Lannister Supremacy at them. Could be a, a, a great deterrent, especially if you throw them in a key position where they're not even just, they're mucking everything up. But I would almost even say more so, uh, you know, him in, uh, again, in Pyromancers. Pyromancers just so offensive, but you make their morale four up, and that six up means a lot less. You know, I mean, six up sucks having, but um, then it really comes down to number of dice thrown at you. And then with a four up, I mean, you're almost always going to heal one wound. And if you make sure you always have that crown, you're healing two wounds in response. Uh, and I think uh, he could be great there. Uh, I, I think he's just a great attachment with a lot of flexibility with a lot of different units. Um Brett, what do you think about uh, Barristan? Yeah, I mean, if, if you're running him in a Warrior Sons, and I know you mentioned the uh, 
the high sparrow and how we'll get into those synergies. But uh, if you're running him into a unit, really no matter what unit it is that he's in, it's going to be very difficult to move that unit, very, very difficult to finish them off. Um, so I think he's good. Um, no matter where he goes, it's just a matter, again, of, of um, if you can squeeze him in the list, what you're going to get out of him and stuff like this. But, yeah, I think he's great. Um, and he's, <laughs> he's probably really annoying for your opponent. Yeah, I mean, he's way better, in my opinion, than he used to be. I mean, he was, I believe, three points before. Granted, you'd he- you would heal D3, but i much rather just... I mean, now he has two abilities that always happen. You're less... Uh, it's less important to even have that crown, because really, you know, you're only healing one extra, which is still awesome, but what I'm getting at is that you're, you're not pressured to take that crown zone immediately. You're always getting that plus two to morale test, and you're always getting one wound back when you pass. Uh, and for the most part, no matter what you put him in, you have a, unless your opponent has like Vicious, you have a good chance of passing almost all your morale tests, whatever unit you decide to put him in. Because uh, like seven is kind of the worst you're going to encounter um, of anything he would want to go in. So going to a five is, you know, a big deal. Five is a great morale. Um, and then, like I was mentioning before, you know, putting him in anything that's a six and going to a four, I mean, four it means you're probably only going to fail maybe one all game without any negative modifiers. So uh, a great two-point attachment. I'm, I am I love this uh, uh, version of him. Um, Vlad, uh, have you gotten a chance to use Barristan at all? Uh, version not yet. I'm currently working on a good moral list where I will put out all the uh, attachments that have uh, that have the uh, abilities. Uh, I really prefer that Barristan tell me now you know uh, what are you paying for uh, before had, having that random D3 uh, and now you will always know that one wound plus one wound uh, while controlling the, the, the crown is nearly always two wounds. Uh, I, I really prefer him this way. Uh, he got better and uh, he dropped the point. Uh, we didn't see him played uh, so much before because uh, his point uh, cost was uh, was very high. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I think that he will see the... the, the the battlefield more than Arnold. Yeah, he works very well with uh, nearly any unit that you that you have. Yeah, and you know, as you're mentioning, Brett, him and Warrior Sons was basically going to make the unit nearly unkillable. I mean, you're going to a three up morale. You're always going to heal at least at least one. I would say you're only going to you're probably going to have that crown by the time they're uh, attacked at least the second time if they're being attacked multiple times and then with their faith ability I mean you're almost the stalwarts guaranteeing that they're going to be getting a faith token every time they get attacked uh and then healing on top of having pseudo hardened uh I mean they're re- I mean granted you're you're spending 9 points for this but they're they're going to be right at that 
level where they do just enough offensive ability to be worth their nine points while being so defensive that they're going to last probably the whole game, almost no matter what is thrown at them. Um, so, you know, now that we're talking about it, because I've just started dipping my toes into Warrior Suns, uh, and I'm loving it. Um, they're not, like, my favorite thing ever, but I'm, I'm loving some of the combos with them, and I think next game I play, I'm, I'm going to try that one out uh, and really see how effective it can be, especially you throw it right up the middle, you know, really muck up uh, that center objective in those missions and, you know, see, see what uh, the opponent is able to do against it. Uh, and then lastly, we have Jamie Lannister, the Kingsguard. Uh, he has, for two points, Expert Duelist and Counter-Strike. Now, I'm going to say everyone already kind of knows my opinion on du- Expert Duelist, um, and I'm not a huge fan. I know Expert Duelist was a thing in 1.6. just really wasn't a problem because there's only a couple of them, and uh, not a lot of people were running attachments. You didn't, it was... It was too, if you ran it, it was too iffy whether or not you would even really get to use it, depending on what attachments they brought. But now, attachments are so cost-effective, and your commander has to be on the field. Expert Duelist is now, I think, kind of the new feels bad. Uh, And I feel like I have to mention it every time, just because uh, there's so many cool attachments with Expert Duelist, and... No matter if I'm playing it or my opponent's playing it, someone always feels bad, and it's you. And it's one of those uh, feel bad feels bad where it's usually the opponent on the receiving end. Um, with that said, my initial list was I run Vargo Commander in Lannisters, and then I run uh, I run Vargo and like some Guardsmen to make them uh, bloody mummer, and then I run Jamie Lannister also in Guardsmen. And now I have these two defensive units with Lannister Supremacy, uh, one with Counter-Strike because of Jamie, and uh, the other one, you know, and now I have these two uh, attachment killer units that I could just place on, you know, opposite ends of the field, and no matter what my opponent deploys, I'm always going to be able, within reach of their commander. Uh, You know, and then... um, and then, you know, I can just guarantee that they don't have a commander for those objectives. So uh, I think he's great. I think he's amazing. Again, I, I was mentioning earlier that Jamie has so many great options, so it's hard to choose. Main Jamie's awesome. The commander Jamie's awesome. Um, the young, is it young lion? Or it's, it's the other attachment that gives uh, um, whatever it was that he gave, uh, I think boldness and courage or something. And all of them are great. He gives uh, this one. Oh yeah. Boldness and courage is what he used to give. Um, and it's, yeah, it's yeah, the young, Stalwart young and, lion. Well, yeah. Yeah. Stalwart. Stalwart um, both really good. Yep. Um, so it's always hard for me to decide, uh, but this is, I think one of my favorites, uh, Expert Duelist is just so effective. Um, like competitively, it's one of my favorites. But uh, casually, because I try to avoid Expert Duelist in casual uh, games, I would say uh, it's um, yeah, very effective. I mean, it's really not much else to say about that. I mean, Expert Duelist is like the most effective ability you can possibly have in the 2021 
Uh, Brett, what's your thoughts on him? Um, yeah, I think um, I think he's really good. Um, I haven't really seen him be used a lot. It's probably because even still, it's it's kind of difficult to find two points. But I think in my quest to figure out an answer for Night's Watch, because maybe it's a little bit egotistical of me, but I feel like with Lannisters, I can beat any army consistently, but not Night's Watch. So, um, and, and with Night's Watch, it's specifically the double crossbow build and the uh, Jon Snow Ranger Hunter kind of build. And so I might end up getting Jamie Lannister in a Tyrion list and using that shift and cunning ploy whenever I draw it to get Jamie Lannister into either Jon Snow's unit or into whatever unit has the watch captain and take it out. So I think right now maybe he's being a little bit underappreciated because um, I haven't really seen him used a lot, but I think I'm going to give him a try and if he's in a unit that can survive, right, and they can they can make it, then he should be able to go really take the wind out of sails of some of those builds that are really relying on those uh, attachments. And I think it's not just um, I think it's not just the Night's Watch and the Watch Captains. I think if you go cut Asha's head off, and you're running like a, lead, a red cloak list or a list that has at least one red cloak. I think once you get rid of Asha, that whole Greyjoy army will just melt. Um, and then Free Folk, you know, if you go cut Mantha's head off, the whole army will just melt. So I'm working on it. Um, maybe I'll find a way to squeeze uh, Jamie in a list with Tyrion, Commander, and Varys. So I've got two possibilities to ship three inches and just try to ship Jamie across the board. <laughs> maybe maybe he won't be delivering a pyromancer bomb. Maybe, maybe it'll the the mail the Tyrion's mail delivery system will be delivering an assassin. So we'll have to see how it goes. But I think he's probably criminally underrated at the moment. But I think he'll end up coming back around. Yeah, and I know it's a, a little on the slower side. But as I was mentioning, guardsmen. I mean. If you're, especially if you want to get that watch captain, they're trying to shoot into you. You have that three up save, four up, you know, if you're with the Sundering, but, um, and now they're going to have to take Lannister Supremacy, so you're kind of punishing them in return. Get in there after that ready aim release and pop the watch captain and have a pretty decent time, uh, weathering the, the free attack. Uh, that watch captain gun, you know, it, I think, uh, has a pretty, uh, decent, decent shot and then with counter-strike they're definitely going to want to retreat as their action uh or as like they're going to have to find a way to retreat because they're not going to be able to just hang in there with that counter-strike um poking them in the face uh vlad what are your thoughts kind of your final thoughts about uh as we wrap up here with uh jamie lannister yeah i'll try to, to to be quick about this uh in a designing point of view, I really like that uh, Jamie Kingsguard doesn't have an uh, ability that uh, triggers triggers on the crown on the crown zone, because uh, uh, even in the books and uh, the TV show, we've, we've seen uh, that this guy uh, didn't give a, a care about uh, his position in the Kingsguard. He will always be a Lannister. He, he will always do what uh, 
he wanted to do so so he had this political uh, position uh, uh, that keeps him in this place but he didn't care about about it so that is what I, I like the most about this uh, designing uh, uh, capacity uh, as you said it expert, expert dualist it's uh, the new deal in the 2021 uh, uh, meta uh, for me it's my first pick when I build a list that should uh, face uh, Mother of Dragons. Uh, I really like to put him in the Stormcrow Mercenaries because uh, uh, for the one point rock and uh, psychologically speaking, uh, I will see the impact impact that it has against my opponent. So uh, I will, uh, if he will deploy it first, I will always deploy this unit at the last. Uh, in front of his uh, his Daenerys unit, or if I deploy uh, at first, I will have on the other side of the table a unit of uh, pyromancers, and uh, uh, on on the other side, uh, at the last, I will put Jaime uh, Lannister's unit. Uh, Counter Strike is a very good uh, defensive uh, ability uh, for for that unit too. Uh, it's an interesting uh, choice to have on your on your uh, on your uh, battlefield, and uh, it, if you go hunting the, the the enemy commander in any game mode that you you are playing, uh, uh, pick him up. Yeah, and you know it's. Uh, it's hard to avoid them too, especially like I was mentioning with uh, my list, you know, having two of them, having two ways to kill attachments, it just can get kind of nutty. Um, and again, is a feel feels bad, especially if you're going into a tournament knowing that there's probably going to be a bunch of things to kill attachments. I'm almost, I, I make like one list with no attachments personally, uh, like, just so my opponent can't waste all my points by killing them, I just I really hope that that gets changed. And I can, you know, I I hate like just slamming on a particular thing, but it just bothers me so much that like there's a handful of big tournaments coming up, and I want to drive all the way out to go play in them. But knowing that I have to build like one list with no attachments, or maybe like one. Uh, just to avoid an expert duelist is, I don't know, it, it just got, kind of bothers me. Um, because, like I said, Simon has done such an amazing job wanting, you know, pushing us to want to run attachments, and that's great. I totally agree with that. Uh, but now <laughs> you've just given fuel to wanting to run expert duelist and really drive home why you don't want to run um, attachments unless they have expert duelist. So, I don't know. I, I hope it gets looked at. I really, really do. Um, the amount of people that love the ability as is far and few between. Uh, and I've, uh, in my playing group, um, it's been nothing but, you know, just bad, 
so I, I hope it gets looked at. And with that said, you know, that kind of wraps up this uh, show. We do have one more part coming that will be all of the Lannister commanders, their tactics cards. We'll briefly go over the Lannister tactics deck um, just for context. But, you know, as like in other uh, uh, faction episodes, I'll probably just read them all off and then we'll talk about it as one thing. Um, I want to thank uh, Brett and I want to thank Vlad for being on um, for this show. Uh, you know, it's it's always nice to have some, you know, different uh, perspectives. You know, you know, Brett hasn't had a chance to be on in a while because Sunday show has been kind of hard with holidays and other things going on. So, um, but yeah, with that said, again, thank you all for listening in. Uh, you know, we do this for you guys the very best thing you can do for us just go and follow us uh on any of the platforms that we're on uh we're on blog talk radio itunes uh google play spotify stitcher tune in uh podtail owltail pod bay and i think that's it we might be on like one more again also check us out on facebook um there if you uh, check out our Facebook page, there should be a like button to like the Facebook page. And then for every hundred likes we get, I believe we're still sitting around like 360. Um, if we hit 800, a free unit box uh, given away to a random person that's liked the channel, as long as you haven't won already. And then um, if we hit 1,000, it's a free starter of, your, of the winner's choice to a random person. And... Um, yeah, definitely, you know, and if you have any friends, have them go like the page, um, you know, share us out to, uh, you know, let them know about us. Some some people don't really follow Facebook that much, and that's where we do most of our prom, uh, promotion. Uh, we also have a Discord. Um, it's not, like, super active like some of the other ones, but it's a great place to go if you want to give your, uh, you know, if you can't make the live shows, because we do all these live, uh, unedited, and, you can go on the Discord if you can't really, you know, maybe you're at work or something, you can't um, contribute live, you know, call in or whatever. But uh, there's a tab there where you can type in any suggestions, any things you're thinking as we're talking, and, you know, I'll look at it and I'll bring it up uh, and address it. Maybe a rules question that you're confused about that we're bringing up. Um, so, yeah, definitely check out the Discord. I'll uh, try to find time to uh, post the Discord link in our on our Facebook page. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, that's the number one best thing you can do to help support us. Just share out our show, follow us on any of those platforms. Uh, and, you know, I appreciate all you guys listening in. Uh, you know, it means a lot. Uh, with that said, this is a small council radio and it is dismissed. <laughs>